0: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today's gospel reading is one that gets repeated a few times, and it's actually the same gospel reading we use when we are blessing anybody's house. Um, this is the gospel of, of the visitation. And this particular gospel has always, there's been one line in it that has always particularly had significance to me. Um in the New King James that you're reading from, it says that he sought to see Jesus who he was. If you read the, the Old King James or some of the other translations, it says he sought to see Jesus for who he was, which is slightly different and it, it gives it more of the intended meaning. You can still capture it from this, but it's an important one. Because wanting to see Jesus for who he was is, simply, is, is different from simply just wanting to, to see him. And to understand this, I was thinking this week about something my dad used to say to me. Forgive me, you might not like this analogy in church, but our Lord spoke in simple parables, so it's okay if we do too. My dad used to get mad at me for putting ketchup on my fries. <laughs> he would be, why are you putting the ketchup on the, on, on the fries? Don't you like the fries? The fries are good. Um, and I'd get angry because I liked the fries with ketchup. Um, and I've thought about it more recently because what he was trying to say is, do you like the thing for what it is or do you like it because of what you did to it, right? Are you enjoying it because you've dressed it up or are you enjoying it because it itself in its own nature is good? And this is what it means to want to know Jesus for who he was. Because there are different ways that people approached Christ, right? If we look at um, the other gospel we repeat a lot, which is the feeding of the multitudes, they wanted Christ because of the food. Right? This, is, this is what Christ himself tells them. Right? When they meet him on the other side of, of the lake, he's like, Are you coming because you're hungry? Um, or are you coming because you actually are interested in what I have to tell you? So there's those of us who come to him for the food, or that come to him for the miracles. Um, and those still exist among us. Right? Those who want wealth or blessing, the prosperity gospel. Those of us who approach Christ saying that if I follow Christ, I'm going to be rich. If I follow Christ, I'm going to do so well on my MCATs or my PCATs or my LSATs or whatever SATs that we have, right? Those of us who are constantly thinking that my, my knowing Him is going to be the reason why I am healed from a disease and not somebody else. And this is not the gospel, right? Christ never said, follow me and you're going to be healed. In fact, there are many people who encountered Christ who weren't healed, And there are people who encountered Christ, who were healed, but they eventually died, right? So it wasn't like they were somehow granted immunity from being human. They continued to be human with all of the limitations of of our bodies. So we need to ask, am I somebody who seeks God for the miracles? And there are also those who approach God only to test Him. Right? There were those who, who encountered Christ only to constantly tell him how wrong they believed he was. Right? And they had in their mind what is the right teaching based on their own interpretations to the point where they couldn't encounter him as divine because they were approaching him in their limited scope of why he must be wrong if he doesn't affirm or confirm what they believe to be true about God. And this is many of us. I've dealt with many people. I myself have been a person who's dealt with doubt. But I've met many people who they want to disprove God for whatever reason that they want. And so instead of approaching with an open mind, instead of approaching trying to understand him, who he is, what he said, why he said it, instead approach with with an air of, well, this is ridiculous because who would say this or who would do this? Not questioning themselves of why do I think it's ridiculous? Something being ridiculous in our view doesn't make it false, right? Gravity seemed like a ridiculous thing back in the day, so did microbes, but they're real, okay? We don't have our own perspective and our own (coughs) ideas of things um, dictate how we approach somebody. So do I approach Christ with a test of saying, hey, you said one, two, three. Hey, if this is true, then X, Y, and Z, right? These are the ways that some people approach him. And then there are those who were with him because of the tag-along fame, right? The people associate themselves with righteous people because that person is famous, right? That they can ride along and get good press, they can have the benefits, they're going to sit in nice places, they're going to eat good food. Um, There were people who um, uh, approached him like that, um, and there are people who even benefited from that. We, we hear a story where the disciples come to Christ and say, we saw people casting out demons in your name, and we forbid them. And Christ said, no, don't, don't forbid them. Right? But these are people who were who like, oh, well, this Jesus guy is doing miracles. I can try that too. And it worked. And so God was able to work through it, but it isn't obviously the ideal um, way of, of interacting with Christ. And finally, those who were simply with Christ because of the social circle. Right, The relatives, the friends of the apostles who may or may not have believed in Christ and probably didn't because they were one of the first to walk away um, when our Lord was arrested. Right? And so they were with him when the going was good and they were with him in terms of the social circles. And I think many Christians today are doing this. where We're Christians because our families are Christians. We're Christians because our friends are Christians. And we're Christians because our social network does the God thing. And what we'll see is that if, you, if that person switches his or her social networks, they also switch their attendance, right? And they also switch their, devo- their devotions. They also switch their behaviors. This is somebody for whom the gospel or the life with Christ was an interaction of, um, of being social. These are the different kinds of ketchup, okay, that we use um, in our relationship with Christ. Instead of coming to him to say, Lord, who are you? Right? Who is it that you are and what is that you preach? So Zacchaeus is somebody who had heard about the miracles, obviously. Zacchaeus had heard that this man had a following. And he said, well, you know what? Is this true? Is this really, like, what they said about him, is this the case? What is this person all about? And so even though he had weaknesses, he didn't allow his weaknesses to be what prevented him from encountering Christ. Right? Many of us can be like, oh, well, I'm I'm just a terrible person. I'm just, I have these weaknesses. It's not for me. I'm not going to be like so-and-so. Whereas Zacchaeus didn't allow his impediment to prevent him from seeking. So he was short. Okay? So he's standing in the middle of the crowd and he can't see. Any person in a situation would have said, okay, it's not my fault. I'm short. I was born this way. Right? I didn't make myself short. If I could be taller, I would be taller. Instead... He says, well, if this is going to be the thing that's going to prevent me from seeing him, well, I'll fix it. I'm going to go and climb a tree, <laughs> which is completely and totally socially unacceptable. right? It, it makes absolutely no sense, not today and not then, for some grown adult to say, I'm going to solve this by climbing a tree. Can you imagine if somebody like a Pope was here and they wanted to see him and they couldn't see him from the back, like started hanging from the rafters on the ceiling? we would all, like, grab him and bring him down and say, what are you doing, and what's what's wrong with you, right? We wouldn't see it as a, oh, blessed man who wants to see the Pope. We would be like, wow, what a weird person, right? Let's bring him out before the Pope sees him so that he doesn't embarrass us, right? But instead, right, Zacchaeus said, I don't care what they think. I want to know, are these things about him actually true? Is this who he says to me? Is it true that this man is the Messiah? And so he solves it and he climbs the tree. And this is what Christ is looking for. Christ is looking for what we call in the Orthodox Church synergy. Right? We have two extremes, we've talked about this before, right? We have the the more evangelical Protestant extreme, which is grace alone, right? Which is God's work on me in spite of me. And then we have This super other extreme, which is, no, 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 it's completely my works, if I have to do this and this and this. But this is not, neither of these extremes are correct. The truth is, is the synergy, it's the working of in between, of having this relationship, okay, where my work is crowned with grace. My work doesn't earn me grace, okay, it's not that because I did this works, I now deserve God's love. No, God is happily and readily and wanting to always give us love, is always wanting to give us grace. But if I don't respond to him, if I don't work with him, I don't receive it, right? So if a child decides to refuse his parent, the parent wants to give the child things. But if the child refuses it, it's the child who is refusing it, right? If a person doesn't study for the test, they're not going to do well on the exam, right? It's It's not because somebody's angry with him and wants him to fail. It's because he didn't study, okay? So God is always ready to give us grace, but he wants to see that on our end, We want a relationship, that we are willing to enter a relationship. And so that's why when Zacchaeus makes a fool of himself and climbs the tree, our Lord doesn't publicly mock him or despise him or ream him out. Instead, he invites himself to his house. He's happy and more than happy to take advantage of these first gestures on Zacchaeus's part. He wants to go into his house and he wants to meet him. This is why, and there's a, a Western picture that I really like, of Christ, um, of Christ knocking at the door as a good shepherd. And in this Western um, icon of, of Christ, if you pay attention, I've seen it in many Egyptian homes, um, pay attention to the fact that there's no door handle, right? The idea behind it is that Christ is knocking, right? And that it's up to the person inside the house to open um, the door or not. And so, Zacchaeus climbs the tree, so Christ says, No, I will, I will come and, and eat with you today. So, this was the big winner, right? Most people were expecting that Christ is going to choose the person who acts all righteously. Tax collectors to the Jews were the most despised possible people. Because a tax collector was somebody who was collecting their money, to give to their arch enemy, the Romans, right? So it's like, it's not enough that the Romans have occupied us and taken over our land, and at one point even destroyed our temple. But now not only are you saying, okay, I accept this, but you're working for them. This is why Jews hated, like absolutely despised and loathed tax collectors. They're almost as bad as Samaritans, um, in their view. These were the most despicable of people. So... Has the Lord invite, been invited to your house, or do you deal with him distantly? Okay, are you one of the people in the crowd who's just there for this show? And if the Lord has asked to come to your house, what kind of reception do you give him? Okay, do you clean your house, right? Do you prepare a meal? Do you say, I'm really, really excited to have you, this is not anybody that's entering my house? Or are you passive about his, his entrance into your home? Because if you're passive, then have you benefited from the entering of the Lord? What kind of person are you? Because the Pharisees also invited him to their home, right? We read, actually next week, we're going to read the story of the Pharisee who who invites Christ to his house and is one of the people who are there to test him. From the minute that the Lord enters the house, all he's doing is finding out what's wrong with him. Right? Oh, he did this, oh, he did this, oh, he did this. She's a sinner that he's dealing with. Wow, clearly he's not the Messiah. Um, or he would know who and what sort of woman this is um, who's entering. Right? That was the thought of the Pharisee. So when he enters in your house, what reception do you give him? Are you going to give him like the Pharisee where the guy is on trial? Right? How many of us would be happy to stay in someone's home where we feel completely unwelcomed? If you enter someone's home and you feel that you're under attack from the moment that you enter their house, and that they're being sarcastic with you, are you going to stay the, the the evening and enjoy the meal and a dessert and have a conversation, or are you going to find the first opportunity to say, "Thanks, but no thanks. I'm gonna I'm gonna take off for the night. Thanks for inviting me, but no thanks. I'm not actually welcome here." We need to 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 think about what kind of reception does the Lord have when He enters into my home, because. If we want to see Christ for who he is, well, Christ is the truth. Okay? And he called himself that. Christ is the light. And he called himself that. And he's not the truth because of what somebody said about him. And he's not the truth because he was able to speak eloquently. Christ is the truth because that's who he is by nature. Okay? The truth isn't true because of how you feel about it, the truth isn't the truth because of how someone spoke about it, or because of who delivered it. The truth very simply is true only because of one thing because it's true that's the only thing that makes truth true this is why when moses asked god what is your name right who do i tell the people who you are he he simply said to him i am right i am the one in the liturgy we say the being or the being right we don't mean being in the modern sense of a creature it's literally saying, "I am the verb to be. I am the the one who's constantly in the state of of ising." Okay, I am a be, and I'm always doing it. I always exist. I am absolute truth, and it's that simple. I am who I am, right? And I always will be, and that's simply who I am by nature. It's a very, 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 very deep concept that he just says in one line, "I am," right? This is this is who my existence is, and so the truth is true because it's true, and what. Truth does, what light does, is it illumines things. So if I accept Christ into my house, there needs to be a change, right? I can't just say, oh yeah, I met that Jesus person, he's wonderful, he did miracles, It's really nice. So what are you doing tonight, right? That's not how the encounter works. If I'm actually in the presence of something real, it ought to change me. Light reveals things because it is light, right? If I'm sitting in darkness, I have no idea if the room is dirty, right? If we're sitting in a room and the lights are off, I have no idea what the room actually looks like. I won't know if my clothes are camped or uncamped. I don't know if someone spilled something on the floor. I don't know anything. Once I turn on the light switch, suddenly we're exposed. Oh wow, this place is a wreck, right? When I'm dealing in the dark, it's very easy to just say whatever I want because I'm in darkness. But if the light has been turned on, I can't hide anymore the realities, the truth, because it's been shown. And this is what happens if we actually encounter Christ for who he is, right? Zacchaeus, we don't read anything of Christ sitting with him and saying, hey, by the way, I'm aware of what you're doing. You know, you're an extortioner. You stole people's money. You treated people horribly. That wasn't Christ's encounter with him. Christ's encounter with him was like, hey, I'm going to have food. What do you have? Right, and, and ate whatever it was that, that Zacchaeus had. He didn't give him a dietary restriction. He didn't give him anything. He said, whatever you've got, let's enjoy it together. And the result of this is that his imperfections were revealed to himself. And those who encounter Christ in the proper way don't feel judged and condemned and angry when they ent- encounter Christ. Show me a single interaction of a sinner with Christ where Christ told them off for being a sinner. The only people Christ ever told off were Pharisees the ones who are full of themselves. Every single person approached Christ as they were, simply wanting him, he dealt with with love. Right? This, this tax collector he said, I'll eat with you. And the result is that the tax collector himself says, I want to respond back to this truth. I want to respond back to this person who loves me. And what does he do? Without Christ asking him, he goes overboard. Right? Christ like, probably would have just said, yani, give back the stuff you took. Right? Instead, Zacchaeus is boasting, you know what, I'm not only going to give back what I took, I'm going to give it back fourfold. And on top of that, half of my, of my wealth I'm going to give to the poor, even people who I didn't steal from. Right? This is what happens to a person who encounters Christ. A person who encounters Christ is moved and changed when they know who he actually is. Without there being a lecture, without there being a sermon, without there being any constantly loud and angry rebuke to them. Because if the person is a sinner and understands and re- realizes it, they're gonna want to change, right? The words are for those maybe who who don't know that. And so the light causes a repentance. Okay, In my encounter with Christ is not enough to tell people I'm a Christian. So what? If you say you're a Christian and you lie and cheat and cuss and steal like everybody else, how are you any different? Why are you a Christian? Because you realize that Christ is God. Well, as St. James said, well, good for you. So does the devil. Wonderful. What, what good has it done for you to say that you're a Christian when you're exactly like everyone else? If you cheat and you lie and you steal, if you compromise your faith because you want to get that promotion, if you say, oh, it doesn't matter whether I pray or not because, you know, God understands, but it's more important to me to be rich, then no, then you are not seeking Christ for who he is, then you're seeking him for the ketchup, okay, in some way or form or another. Our encounter with Christ must compel us and change us. This is one of the reasons why I think an honest atheist says, I'm not ready yet, right? Augustine, the blessed Augustine, when he um, encountered the gospel, he knew there was some truth to it, but he didn't want it yet. And he says this in his book, The Confessions. He's like, no, I wasn't ready yet, right? I didn't want to change my life because he was having a blast, right? Augustine was the modern playboy. Right? He had a woman. He was not behaving in any way, shape, or form remotely resembling the Christian life. Okay? He loved money. He was successful. He was rich. He was having the time of his life. And so he used to actually say to God, not yet, please. Right? He didn't want to do it yet. Because he knew that in calling himself a Christian, he couldn't just say that. Right? He couldn't just say, I'm a Christian. Because that's not what Christ is actually about. It was going to require a change. So our, our meeting with Christ... Must change us. Okay? If you say you're a Christian and you haven't changed, sit with yourself and ask yourself why. Ask yourself, do I know Christ? Do I know anything about him? Do I know who he is? Do I know what he says? Do I know what he teaches? Or do I think I know? Am I projecting my personal opinions as what Christ thinks? Which is what many Christians do. They're like, oh, no, 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 this is wrong. This is right. Christ wouldn't like that. How do you know? Do you know anything about him? Have you ever read the Bible? Right? Everybody, we laugh and we call it the, the Sunday school response of fast and pray and read the Bible. Right? And it's, it is the Sunday school answer. And the question is, do you actually do that? Right? I mean, you say it and you laugh at it and you call it the Sunday school answer, but do you do it? Do you read the Bible? Do you, do you actually sit down daily and, and encounter Christ and say, what does Christ think about this? What does Christ say about this? Because if you don't, then you're speaking your own ego, not Christ's. And you're calling it Christ. But we need to encounter Christ and to be changed. Look at St. Moses the Black. right? St. Moses the Black, one of the traditions about his conversion is that he went to rob a monk, and the monk, instead of being aggressive, defending himself, or getting angry, the monk was like, oh, you want this? Okay, let me help you. Okay, here's the other stuff. Can I load your camel for you? I'll, I'll, I'll pack it for you. Um, you can take this too. Easy. And Moses looks at him and says, what, what is wrong with you? <laughs> right? why, why are you doing this? Like, well, this is the gospel. The gospel says if someone asks you for something, give it to him. Right? So you're, you want it. You didn't ask me per se. right? But clearly you want it. You can have it. Um, and, and if Christ, Christ said if you, someone asks you to walk a mile, I'll walk too. It's like, okay, you want my stuff? Not only do you want my stuff, okay, I'll walk the two miles. I'm going to pack it for you. Moses was compelled by this. Because it was somebody saying something and living it, not somebody who, who, who just said it. Right? Instead of saying, oh, I'm supposed to turn the other cheek, but I'm not ready yet. I'm going to punch you in the face. Right? This is not the gospel. Right? Then what good was it? But when he saw somebody living it, he changed it. We don't need to go back 1600 years. I used to work on one of the websites started by actually a priest in his diocese um, that was very popular back in the early 2000s, Um And there was a forum on it more than once. I encountered people who were messaging saying, you know, back when I was in college, um, I was an atheist or I wasn't really into religion, Um, but there's this, I'm now currently interested in pursuing religion. And the only person that could come to mind was actually a friend of mine in college who I just remembered was a a Christian and was very strong um, in his or her faith. And I just remember that he or she said that um, he was Coptic. Um, And so this was why 10 years later, this person had looked up Coptic, found this website, and was asking about the faith. Because somebody was different, not because somebody was the same, because somebody was different. If Christ enters into our house, we need to respond to the light by repenting. So finally, I encourage you all to examine yourselves and ask yourself, am I encountering Christ for who he is? Or am I encountering him for something that I want, for some form of this ketchup? Ask yourself is Christ living in your house or not? Do you with your families pray? Do you with your families read the Bible? Do you with your families actually discuss the gospel? Or is the only aspect of Christ in your lives coming to church on Sunday? Because if you're doing none of these things, be real with yourselves in answering the question of is Christ in your home because he probably isn't in a meaningful way husbands and wives do you pray with one another do you even stand up even if you want to do some personal prayers on your on your own no problem but do you stand up and hold the prayer time together with your spouse is what unites you Christ or is what unites you yourselves because yourselves will fall yourselves will fail you're all human i'm a human We fail. Christ doesn't fail. We fail. So ask yourselves, do we pray together? Do we fast together? Do we emphasize that we are Christians in any way in our homes? Is my home decorated by pictures of nice landscapes and and seascapes and mountains and, and starry night by whoever? These things aren't wrong. But do I have icons in my house? Do I have an image of Christ in every single room that we enter? Is it clear when someone enters in my home that I'm a Christian or am I worried about modern perceptions? Ask yourself, is Christ in your home? Do you encounter him as you are? Do your behaviors reflect that you are a Christian or do your behaviors rather reflect that you are a member only of society? If you have any of these things falling short, then come to yourself and repent. Be exposed by the light and say, no problem, I will just arrange my house and bring it in order. Because Christ accepted the offering of Zacchaeus. He accepted the offering of every repentant person, and repentance is simply, is simply a change of heart. To discover my error and say, Lord, I welcome you into your house, and behold, I give the half of my poor my money to the poor and wish that you dwell with me now and always. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.